0: It's time to lace them up here's brett and steve happy hanukkah merry christmas whatever you celebrate if you follow hockey this is the christmas present you have been hoping santa would deliver we have an nhl season starting january 13th a season that will see temporary division alignments but in the middle of all that we still have the COVID pandemic to worry about. It'll be on the attack, and the league will have to defend against it very, very often. And today, we break down what we know so far. Episode 248 of the Lace Up podcast starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth.
1: I'm Brett Dubuff.
0: Before we get to our main topic, Brett, uh, some news and notes. Um, and the first one being Anthony Duclair not staying in Ottawa.
1: Right, well, I mean, we knew he wasn't going to stay in Ottawa, but because um, <laughs> yeah. they, uh, I think, because they uh, just didn't sign him um, when they could have. Uh, but yeah, so Anthony Duclair signs with Florida um, for a one-year deal, $1.7 uh, million there. Um, I I don't hate this move. It's kind of like a nice prove-it deal. Um, I think you're going to talk a little bit more about like the personal side of things, but um, it's kind of interesting. They, they Florida has an interesting team this year. They added uh Wenberg, um and they added I think that another person that oh Hornquist is the other one. Um and now they have Duclair here. Of course they don't have Dadanoff or um Hoffman yet, but um it's you know, Anthony Duclair could uh could help them out. He you know Duclair was pretty good on a bad Ottawa Senators team. Um, so I think it could work out for him um, and and we'll see how he does. But I, I'd be interested to see um, this development here.
0: Yeah, the, Anthony Declair has always been an interesting case since he turned pro. Um, yeah. Like in his rookie year, he, he was solid. And then everyone thought, okay, he's only going to get better. He's going to progressively take steps forward from here on out and just the inconsistencies would flare up and um, went through a couple different coaches in in Columbus Uh, John Tortorella um, like basically well I don't know basically called him out but like you know he was asked about Duclair's play and it, it wasn't really promising and Probably a rich start, uh, um, a new start, fresh start could have benefited him. And and it turns out it did. Like, he is the 252nd richest forward in the game with this contract. And he was top 15 goals last year on a bad team. So you consider the top six role he played in Ottawa. You get him into, I don't know, a second or a third line role in Florida, and he could do some serious damage. And that's what Florida needs. They are good with their top six. The problem is their depth, their bottom six forwards, they they didn't show up when it mattered, and they need more of that. Anthony Duclair brings more of that depth scoring. He had a career-high 23 goals. He had a point-per-game pace of 0.61 over a full 82 games. Um, it would probably be like 50 to 60 points within that range. He had uh, 40 points in 66 games last year. So all things considered... It was a good year for duclair this is a prove deal for him and uh he was uh joel quenville's he was on joel quenville's a uh, blackhawks for half a season in 2017-18 so right. he knows joel quenville he seemed to have a great vibes with uh, the panthers gm bill zito he's very excited to play with the panthers to play with coach quenville again so it just seemed like a right fit um There were rumors floating around that Duclair was offered a three-year deal by the Sens with a higher AAV uh, than the one that he signed in Florida. Those claims, of course, have been disputed because everyone thinks that everyone's just going to leave Ottawa. Um, But uh, Duclair himself tweeted that um, it was an incredible year in 2019-2020 for him and he was very appreciative of getting the opportunity to play in Canada's capital uh, nothing but great things to say about the Sens fans, he called it a very special year um, that he shared with the fans, with the city so he he liked Ottawa but I, and I'm going to preface this, I have no idea if this influenced his decision if this influenced his final decision but I'm just thinking he's not a UFA to start he is an RFA, he is not 27 years old, he does not have the um The luxury to choose where he goes the reason why he became a UFA is every single RFA is given a qualifying offer and if a team doesn't give the player a qualifying offer they can become a free agent it's what happened with Robin Leonard Um, the Sabres didn't give him a qualifying offer he ends up signing with the Islanders he was he did not have the ability to go on his own in free agency at that point The only reason that happened is because he wasn't given a qualifying offer and Duclair opted to not take the qualifying offer, test his luck in free agency. And that's how he entered the market in the first place. And again, I will preface this. I have no idea if this particular event impacted his decision, but I feel like it, it may not have sat well with Duclair that when the George Floyd stuff was happening and all of the NHL teams we're tweeting, you know, their their unison, their solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. The Sens were the second last team to tweet something out. The Rangers were the last. The Sens were second to last. A part of me thinks that didn't sit well with Duclair. Yep. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong in saying that, and it had nothing to do with this decision. That's a possibility. But I'm just thinking, if you really thought it was special times in Ottawa. I I don't know why he would have gone this route um, on free agency this quickly. Why why um, you know a short term deal and you get paid later? Uh, Why that? Why he didn't take that route instead? It 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 just it just felt a little odd how that all aligns. So uh, he'll probably never admit to whether or not what I just said was true. I don't expect him to. He doesn't have to. Um, but a part of me thinks that didn't sit well with Duclair, and maybe that played a role. It might did. It might not have. Who knows? We may never right. know. But it-, it just felt very odd.
1: So um, he actually talked to uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick on their podcast, um, and he said that he denied that Ottawa offered him anything more than a two-year deal, um, and the he was pretty much set on like self-representing himself in contract negotiations. Um, so, so that's another factor to think about here. I guess he, he did publicly say that it had nothing to do with the whole social justice stuff. Um, but, um, I think I mentioned that to you in the email, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess you're free to believe what you want, but, and I, I, I think you you might be on something. Either,
0: it was either that or yeah. we didn't have enough money. But I'm just looking yeah. at the cap station just like uh you technically do, but yeah, the cap you do have enough to keep uh him.
1: yeah, he said uh he said that he denied that Ottawa offered him anything more than a two year deal and certainly not in the area of three to four million per as has yeah. been speculated. So even though they could have afforded yeah. to keep him with so, that cap. Yeah, I think Ottawa may have like may not be telling the whole truth, um, I would guess. But um, like that wouldn't surprise me with Melnick there. But um, it could it could yeah. be
0: a Melnick budget that they're running up yeah. a salary cap budget that yep. they're abiding by. And, and then he also
1: And then he also mentioned that he uh, uh, like uh, there were about four to five teams that were interested in him. Uh, Nashville was one of them. But he ultimately went to Florida because he wanted to play with, uh, be coached by Quen Villigan and play alongside the likes of Barkov and Huberdeau in Florida. So, um, so yeah, I can see that being a draw as well as like you know Ottawa. Yeah, Brady Kachuk and Shabat are are nice players, of course, but um, I think Barkov and Huberdeau are probably bigger attractions and. Especially they're much closer to the playoffs uh, or Stanley Cup than uh, Ottawa is at this point. So I can see that being a bigger draw for him as well. So yeah, maybe that had that something to do with it. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's something like he doesn't feel like the owners were um, did enough uh, during the Black Lives Matter movement when it was really getting going early this year, So or the middle of this year. Um so that's all, certainly a possibility but I'm not sure if it's the main one.
0: Yeah and and there's cases where like hockey players you know yeah. they play their best when they're happy when they're enjoying the sport. Yeah. And I think in order for declare to play his best he needs to feel that and if he thought he, if he thought it was a risk to sign with Ottawa um and you know maybe have a down year and and things don't go nearly as well. Um, then, you know, you, you cash in on the opportunities when you can get them. And <laughs> there there are quite a few opportunities in the NHL, I'm sure, that are better than the Sens right now. Of so, course, yeah. I, I don't think anyone blames Duclair for leaving, but yeah. it, it's just <laughs> continuing the theme of, oh, another player's gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, if I were the Senators, I would have kept him because it's not like he's that old. So it's like, you know, like, I understand that they're rebuilding and all that, but... He's, like, mm-hmm. still, he's, uh, what is he? Isn't he, like, 26, 25? That's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Like, when the Ottawa Senators are supposed to be good, he'll be around 27-ish, 28. That's not too bad. Um, but, yeah, so I, I probably would have kept him, but I guess I can also understand letting him go, especially when you get, like, Dadunov <laughs> as yeah, well. Yeah, that's, so that's the other thing. Yeah, because yeah. they
0: got Dadunov after... Um, yeah. He tests. He, d- he decided to test free agency. Yeah. That's a good point. They also paid Matt Murray, True. and they got Galchenyuk for cheap. They figured he could be our Duclair this year. So right,
1: um, it's just funny. I guess Duclair goes to uh, Dardenout's old team. Uh, so <laughs> it's just uh, it's funny. Um, it's like a trade that wasn't actually a trade. Yeah, um, trade, trade that never happened. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so in sad news, though. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, he says that he will not be joining the Capitals this upcoming season. Um, after many weeks of tests and conversations with specialists around the country, he uh, he found out that he has a heart condition that will prevent him from taking the ice. Um, he's still trying to like figure it out about what his condition will do, but he says that he's he's been like for the past two months. He's been so inspired by the opportunity to play in D.C. and committed to the game, spending every day at the ring to prepare for the upcoming season. The news was very difficult to process, but after the last test result earlier this week, we knew there was only one way to go from here. So he wants to thank the entire Capitals organization for not only giving him the opportunity, but also for the support throughout this challenging time, Um, and then he's going to be with his family and stuff. So I, I basically paraphrase his, his statement here. Um, it's kind of a strange way of doing it, I, I'll admit. But um, yeah, I, I'm kind of sad by this news because, you know, for the last decade or so, Lundqvist has been one of the best goalies in the league um, just consistently. So I'm I'm just sad that he uh, this might be it for him and you won't get to see him again. Um, but yeah, it's, um, hopefully all the best and stuff, but, you know, at the same time, like, of course your health is bigger concern than your, um, everything else. So, um, hopefully he, um, is healthy and, uh, and doesn't risk it too much. We'll see, but. It would be a, a big career if he does, and in fact, retire and can never play again.
0: Yeah, at 38 years old, you know, right. it's it's, it's kind of tough to to stay in shape and stay on the top of your game. And with the heart condition in the middle of a pandemic, especially when you don't know that much about the heart condition right. and you know about as much as everyone else in the pandemic, which is probably not enough, <laughs> it would probably be a bit of a gamble to just say, oh, I'll chance it um so no he's he's making the right call here and it would be just such a shame like i'm sure every single athlete wants to call their shot and go out on their own terms and this isn't going out on your own terms this is at hand dealt your way and you're forced to deal with the outcome um i would i would hate for this to be how things end whenever lundquist retires i hope it's on his own terms and we do see him back but Obviously, he's making a very wise call here, and our our love and support goes to him and his family during this time. Yep. I, just the just the resume speaks for itself. I would argue first yep. ballot Hall of Famer, most yep. wins by an European goalie. Besna finalist five times. He won the Besna in 2011-2012, made the Stanley Cup finals in 2014. He's been to a few Eastern Conference finals as well. Um, definitely a great goalie with... With a lot of with a lot of decent years left. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Capitals try, try to bring him back. Of course, health permitting. Uh, if he's healthy, I think the Caps uh give it uh, another kick of the can if, if he's willing to do that. But in the meantime, they will need a short-term option between the pipes. Yeah, I don't think point. Samsonov in that tough division right. uh, should be relied on the entire way. And there are two goalies I have alluded to at various points throughout the offseason that a contending team would be wise to take a chance on those two names being jimmy howard and craig anderson uh, and i think both goalies on a contending team they have a few good years left in them they could post a pretty respectable win count like 20 to 30 wins in that neighborhood even Uh jimmy howard is a guy that's motivated to write his own story he doesn't want a pandemic to end his nhl career he wants to go out on his own terms Uh, craig anderson meantime is very tempted at 300 career wins and he's pretty close i think he's i think he's like 10 15 20 wins shy of 300 career um i think either goalie can get the job done with that capitals team and um i don't think it's going to be anything more than a year because i think the caps if lundquist is available and he's healthy and he wants to come back they do bring him back next year Mm -hmm. Um, so I think if they do bring in Howard or Anderson, it's only for this year and then we'll see from there, but
1: yeah, um, those are definitely
0: think they will be in the market for a veteran goalie.
1: Of course. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I'm sure they didn't predict this to happen, but, uh, they kind of, you know, have no choice. I guess there's also like Vanasek is in their system as well. So maybe they just bring up two, (laughs) two young goaltenders like that. So. And just hope that one of the both of them stick. Um, but um, also, I guess I'm looking at cap friendly. I guess Corey Schneider hasn't officially signed with the Islanders yet, but uh, apparently he's a free agent here, so that would be an interesting option. And the other one, um, which could be decent, um, if they want to stick with the very old route, uh, you would go with Ryan Miller, who's uh, a UFA. Mm-hmm. But again, he's 39 years old. But I guess that didn't really stop um, the Capitals because you know Henrik was uh, 38 at that point. So, um, so maybe they uh, find someone else. But Ryan Miller would be an interesting option for sure.
0: Yeah, he would. Yeah, I for- I forgot about Ryan Miller. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, I for- I forgot I, Ryan Miller is just, uh, still on the board. And uh, the I other did name too, that, to be honest. You was uh, Corey Schneier with the Islanders? Uh, yeah. that's interesting because they also have Sorokin. Yep. Um, so
1: and unless Bar-Lemont. that's
0: just like a solid HL backup plan slash if Sorokin falters, we can always go to Corey yeah. Schneider. That's interesting too. But yeah, maybe, maybe Corey Schneider another guy that caps look at. The thing is, his injury history. Yep. Like you need, you need a goalie that can stay healthy and play games.
1: Yeah. I guess for the Islanders, cause uh, Barzal still hasn't been signed yet. They're kind of in cap hell. And they have Varlamov still, so maybe, um, so maybe they don't do it, but I saw, I thought I saw that the rumors was that Schneider is going to be on the Islanders, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that, but It'll
0: probably be a league minimum deal. I don't think it's anything more than a million if it happens.
1: Yeah, so, um, that's fine. Um, okay, so now we have to the main topic. Hockey is finally back. Um, it's official. Um. So they've. Uh, it's going to be a fifty-six game season. It's going to start January fifteenth. Oh, sorry, January thirteenth. Um, I have fifteenth here. I meant thirteenth. Yeah.
0: The original and, target date for those yeah. who forgot January first. So it was only yeah. pushed back by twelve
1: days. That's not bad. It's not bad. No, for sure. I think there was like reports that like there were like some owners just didn't even want to play this year because it was like a, a lost season, but. Whatever.
0: Yeah, just the financial costs. They are just like, we'll save more money if we just don't have a season. Yep.
1: And then the other, I guess, quote unquote gimmick that's going to happen this year is that there's going to be different divisions. Uh, We kind of, I think we mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, it's official now. There's going to be an all Canadian division. Um, This is, of course, because the Canadian US border is. Um, kind of not great at this moment. Um, it's, also closed. Yeah, it's closed. Exactly. So it's it's not um, ideal for t- uh, a league that has seven teams in Canada and twenty one in the U.S. I think I did my math wrong there, but uh, <laughs> there are
0: seven Canadian teams. There are twenty three or er, twenty four in. Uh, America And it'll be 25 next year when right. Seattle
1: joins Okay, so 24 Is that right? Yeah, because yeah, it's a
0: 31 team league yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, okay I just can't do math, apparently <laughs> um, Happens to the best of us Exactly uh, So uh, Here are the, going to be the divisions um, North, or as everyone's going to call them The Canadian division uh, Calgary, Great White North, I'm yeah. fine with either Yeah, whatever North, uh, so that's going to be Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, Winnipeg. Um, Then you have the West Division, which is Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, L.A., Minnesota, San Jose, St. Louis, and Vegas. Uh, Then you have the Central, which should be the Midwest or the South, in my opinion, but whatever. Um, It's uh, Carolina, Chicago, Columbus dallas detroit florida nashville and tampa um and then the east um is my my bruins uh the sabers philly pittsburgh the islanders rangers devils and then uh the capitals um so yeah that's um and that's called the east division um so each team um in the west central and east are going to be playing eight times uh, with each other. So, like, Boston would play Buffalo eight times, and Boston would play Philly eight times, for example. Uh, but the Canadian divisions would play nine or ten times uh, because, you know, there's seven teams instead of eight. Um, and so you can't really do that evenly, I guess. But so, like, Ottawa would play Toronto ten times, Ottawa would play Vancouver ten times. Um, Or something like that. So, um, it'll be definitely exciting. I think I saw that, like, there's going to be a lot of home-to-homes. And, like, theoretically, like, there's going to be, like, matchups where, like, teams are going to be playing four times in a row. um, Like, back-to-back-to-back-to-back kind of thing. Um, Of course, there's going to be games in between. But, like, it's going to be kind of like a mini-playoff series kind of thing. uh, Which could just... Increase like the bright side is it's just going to increase. Going to be a bunch
0: of like mini tournaments yeah. that you would play like when you were ten or whatever.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just going to be you like just
0: go to you just go to like a town for like a weekend. You play like four or five games in the span exactly. of two days.
1: And just it's just going to increase the rivalries even more. Um yeah. You're, you're, yeah, If you if yeah. you
0: want if you want Edmonton and Calgary to uh, to and calm fully... things down, I don't think it's going to work this year. Yeah,
1: exactly. I think um,
0: that that rivalry is really going to heat up.
1: Yep. So, um, the, in terms of the playoffs, uh, the top four in each division will make the playoffs. Um, and then they recede once they get to the conference finals. I assume they're going to bubble eventually once it gets to the final four. Um, because then they'll have to like work out the Canadian stuff, um, with the U S team, uh, with the three other U S teams and stuff. But Um, so I eventually, I would assume they're going to do that, but that's not official yet. And, um, and maybe they're assuming because of all the vaccine stuff that maybe there'll be fans, uh, which actually brings me to my other point that Dallas has announced that they're going to have some fans, like at least 5,000, which is crazy. Florida Stanley Cup run will do. Yeah. Florida has also announced that they're going to have fans too, but uh, they haven't. Not surprised yeah, they haven't announced the maximum yet. Um, this I don't really understand because, like, yeah, I, I mean, I do understand it, but like, I get that this has been this is financially a lost season because every team's going to be losing money regardless, um, and so you have to like do something to get make up some money that you're going to lose already. But at the same time, like. Like, you know, they've done this for football. Like, they had some fans in a limited capacity, you know, distance apart and all that stuff with masks and all that stuff. And you've done that for football. You've seen that for the World Series and baseball. Um, And, you know, you even had, like, wives and children in the NBA bubble eventually. Um, But... Like the only difference is, is that for at least for football and basketball, or uh, football and baseball, is those were outside, <laughs> um, and like the the d- this coronavirus doesn't spread when it's outside. That, that's like the, it's been proven that it's not as um, lethal when you're outside compared to when you're inside and and all that stuff. So I I'm just envisioning like there's gonna be a game when like a fan has COVID. And he's just, that person's going to, like, spread it to everyone in the building. So it's just, like, that's that's going to be a super spreader if that actually happens. Um, and, I mean, as much as I want to see live hockey, I don't know if I would ever do that um, until it's safe. Um, I know there were some reports that, like, there some teams were thinking of just having, like, playing outdoors uh, and all that stuff just so that they could You're have fans.
0: Being one of them, I'm pretty sure.
1: The, yeah, the Bruins were one of them, uh, for sure, um, yeah, it would be kind of cool to just have them in Gillette Stadium or something, but, um, I it hasn't been announced yet, um, so that would be kind of cool and interesting as well, like, if you're, if this is gonna be a weird season, just even get weirder and weirder, that would be, that'd be fine by me, but I don't know, it's just, it'll be weird, but that's, that goes to our next question is like, what is our general thoughts on this format? What will happen when a team inevitably gets infected by this virus? Cause I think it's not a question of if this will happen. It's like when this will happen. Cause you know, this has had like COVID has affected people in the NFL. It has uh, for a short while in the baseball too. So um not so much in the bubble for both basketball and hockey, but um, I'm sure it's going to happen for both, both those leagues now. Um, so I, I feel like what's probably just going to happen is they're going to take it year by year and like postpone some games. And um, if they're going to have to, can they may have to cancel some games if it comes down to it. Um, and then they'll just go by winning percentage for the playoffs. Um, that would just be my guess. Um, but yeah, that's probably um, what will happen. Yeah, um, but I'm, I'm at least excited that they have a season, and it's it's going to be interesting with these new divisions
0: and a bunch of reverse retro jerseys.
1: Yeah, a bunch of find. that's that's also true too. Yeah.
0: That's the only form of revenue they get. There's exactly. Reverse retros. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about the key dates um, to close out the show, but first we'll, we'll stick with the question here. So first of all, I don't expect any video game offensive numbers. I think you're going to see the likes of McKinnon and Crosby, and McDavid show how good they are. Maybe they'll get like 80 to 90 points. I don't think we see any 100-point seasons. I don't think the season's too short for that. Um, and also... The, the amount of rest that's going to be on the backs of players is going to be a lot more noticeable compared to previous years because think about it you have probably the shorter shortest offseason compared to other off seasons uh the pandemic might depending on what part of the world you live in the pandemic might have affected your workout schedule your regime your ability to go to the rink the amount of times you go to the rink That could be very different for a lot of players. You don't have any preseason games to shake off that rest. You basically have like seven to 10 days, maybe a bit more of training camp to prepare for the season. And then boom, you're right in. The action starts right away. The first game you play two points on the line, two big points on the line. And in some divisions, every game is going to matter. So, um, I don't think we're really going to see players dominate this year like uh, we've seen in previous years outside of like the superstars in regards to the fans um just no yeah (laughs) i i i don't think that's a good idea um i i guess florida i make sense of it because florida likes to to live I don't know, live dangerously is the right word, but they like to live, and they they like to carry on with their lives, and um, they're going to invite fans into their stands, the Raptors are going to have up to 3,800 fans, not because they're playing in Canada, because they're playing in Florida, because Canada won't let them play in Canada, Uh, that simple, Um, now, in the whole, in the whole idea of like fans in attendance, Brett, you mentioned of football fans letting in select amounts of fans and major league baseball doing the same. Those are outdoor venues. Yep. Indoor is where this virus thrives, which is why it's a bad idea. Like fans in general during a pandemic is a risky play, but especially in indoor, it's very risky. Um, you look at um, major league baseball. Teams, some teams are not allowed to play for as much as a full week if they got infected. And we saw entire three-game series getting pushed back because player on Team A or Team B or Team C or Team X tested positive. Um, And we even saw in the World Series Justin Turner getting yanked mid-game because his test came back positive. Um, But they were able to finish the 2020 season. The NFL, it looks like they could finish the regular season, but there have been at least three, four, five, six times. I don't know how many times where a game has been pushed back by as much as five days by at least two or three because a player tested positive before a game or in the case of Des Bryant, just minutes before kickoff. So, and, and that was in outdoor settings. It's a bit harder for the NHL to switch things around because unlike the NFL, they don't play once a week. The NHL is probably... Some teams are probably going to be playing three times a week, maybe four, maybe five. Like you mentioned, Brett, could be four games in a row they play. So that's that's where it kind of gets tricky. And taking a look at uh, some of the hockey leagues um, at the junior level and how their seasons have gone, the WHL, um, they haven't played a game yet. They paused the start of their season, right. and definitely they were hoping, I think, for October or January and they're now, see, they're now saying it's paused indefinitely. The QMJHL did start on October the 1st, and it has had several bumps in the road. Um, there were no bubble settings because, I don't know if you know this, but um, these hockey players are not professional players. They have high school classes to attend. They have post-secondary classes to attend. So they need to be in school. So you can't put them in a bubble. Right. And while fans were not coming during these games, you have four provinces to deal with. You have Maritime Provinces, Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. You have all of Quebec that's been getting hammered by COVID throughout the pandemic, especially now. And the Atlantic bubble to deal with, which basically means the Atlantic teams are facing off against each other and nobody else. There was one Quebec team that had 18 players test positive, positive. 18 players that's that's not just two or three 18 players and some of the maritime games about a month or so ago were postponed because of new cases popping up in communities not on the teams themselves and we even saw regular season action get suspended for weeks in an attempt to get things under control just a lot of costly turnovers with this whole launch and then you have the ohl that's considering oh should we allow body checking should we allow fighting um because the government might not allow us to the provincial government on top of that ontario on boxing day is set to enter a province-wide lockdown northern ontario it lasts 14 days for places like the gta that have been getting wrecked for um they've been locked down already for about a month windsor has been locked down they have an ohl team um ottawa's gonna get locked down for 28 days even though Their numbers have been far better than those, Uh, but they're in Southern Ontario. So all Southern Ontario, they get locked down for 28 days. And Doug Ford, the premier of Ontario, hasn't really said, yeah, we'll allow the Sens and Leafs to play home games, though. He hasn't said that. So you look at the OHL that's set to start February 4th. We'll see what happens with that because Ontario's not doing so well. You also have three American teams to manage through that. There are just so many logistics there of what governments will be allowed, or will will permit teams to play in their respective buildings. Even if Canadian teams are playing in their own division, um, there's no guarantee that all provincial governments involved, and there are five of them. There's BC, there's Ontario, there's Quebec, um, there's Alberta, and there's Manitoba. There's no guarantee that all five governments are going to say, "Yeah, we're okay with this. We're right. okay with you coming into our province and playing NHL games." So there are just a lot of things, a lot of roadblocks that could throw the NHL for a loop. And all it takes is one positive case to throw an entire season into flux. And I really hope I'm wrong when I say this. I think at least 20 games this season will be inconvenienced in some way by a positive case. I will say at least 20 games.
1: Yeah, I can see that happening for sure. Um, Definitely, um, it's definitely like you're playing with house money in a way. So, um, yeah, I could definitely see that happening for sure. Um,
0: and, and there's also another point that I'll get to before we get to our next point, Brett, and it's a very important one. The NHL venues don't just house hockey games. They house NBA games, right? The Dallas stars, share the same building with the dallas mavericks the la kings share the same building with two nba teams yeah the rangers they also house the new york knicks the new york islanders play sometimes in the same building as the brooklyn nets and how did the ottawa senators which was the first nhl team to get panic, how did they contract the virus They contracted it in California during a Death Valley road trip their final game was in LA LA, they lost and then the season was postponed because Rudy Gobert tested positive and then the NBA suspended its season and then everyone else eventually followed suit. The Brooklyn Nets I believe were at the Staples Center a few nights before the Sens were there and the Sens didn't get it from an NHL team. I'm pretty convinced they got it from NBA circles.
1: Yep, yeah, definitely possible.
0: So there's also that. Yeah, You true. have to manage the NHL teams and the NBA teams and keep track of where they are. And I think communication with the NBA is absolutely critical to the success of this season because if that falters as well, it's going to be awfully tough to track this virus, a virus that is already tough to track as you can't see it, So, everyone needs to be aware of what everyone is and what everyone's doing, and with teams coming in and out from two different major sports leagues who are just trying to carry out their season like everyone else is, that's not going to be easy to pull off. So, there's also that to consider.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really considered the NBA, like, a lot of teams, you know, or a lot of arenas share an NHL and an NBA team, so... Um, like the NBA also has to be careful. It's also kind of interesting because you know both the NHL and the NBA were praised for how they handled the bubble um, during the playoffs. This you know from August to September, um, but uh, you know now it's like they 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 don't have the luxury of doing a bubble because they have to involve so many more teams than they did when they had the bubble. Um, and you know, it's just not a sustainable way of doing things. So, um, they have to figure that whole thing out. Um, so yeah, I guess that's also good. I think I have some faith that they'll be okay, but yeah, I think eventually some, some games are going to have to be canceled or maybe the playoffs going to be postponed. Um, I do have some faith that this vaccine from Pfizer and Moderna, are going to help matters out just in the long grand scheme of things. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and, and maybe that will be helpful, but I think like, I assume that's why during like when they mentioned the playoffs, I was thinking like, Oh, they probably think that they're going to have fans in the playoffs. Um, that's probably one of their focuses there. So, uh, maybe that's another thing to consider is that maybe eventually they they have hope that like this vaccine's going to help matters and and all that stuff so that's another area to think about too but uh yeah we'll we'll see um uh, just just to
0: just to keep everyone up to speed on the events we all sure. know the puck drops January 13th 56 game schedule for the regular season trade deadline listed April 12th Uh, May 8th, regular season ends The start of the 2021 playoffs Begins shortly after that, we hope Middle of July, we should have a Stanley Cup winner The Seattle expansion draft Not long after the playoffs wrap-up Happens July 21st Then the NHL draft Takes place July 23rd and 24th And four days after the draft ends Which is July 28th Free agency is slated to begin All with the hope of a normal NHL season for 2021, 2022, starting in October, so okay. that is the game plan for now. We'll see how much it changes as the season goes on, but for now, that's game plan.
1: Right? Yeah, that, that's good to to note and all that with all that stuff. So I appreciate that. Um, all right, let's do um, the other stuff that we asked. <laughs> so. So, yeah, we'll we'll have, like, a in the coming weeks, we're going to have some season previews where we'll go more in-depth with all these different divisions and stuff. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to the fact that, uh, like, eventually, like, you know, uh, the way that the Canadian divisions are handled is, you know, there's uh, Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver are in the same division. Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto are in the same division. And then Winnipeg's just in its own world in the central division. Um, So like, it's going to be interesting to see how Winnipeg interacts with both those other six teams and stuff. And I look forward to like the, the Kachuk brothers facing off against each other. That's going to be fun. Um, As you mentioned, Edmonton Calgary with uh, Cassian and Kachuk as well. And then, um, and then Matthews and, um, and line Uh, That was, you know, it will take us back to the 2016 time. So um, (laughs) it will, uh, it could be very interesting just to see how that all works. And I think you as a Canadian will be happy because this means that uh, it's guaranteed that one Canadian team will make the uh, conference finals. So um, I'm sure you're ecstatic about that. Um, Even though I guess Ottawa is going to be the punching bag for all these teams.
0: Ottawa's going to be the punch bag no matter what division they play. True, true. They're not going to do well. I hope they make strides. Right. I don't expect them to do well, nor should they do well. Um, yeah. That division still has a very good Toronto team and three, maybe four, very respectable Western Conference opponents. Yep. Um, and I, the reason I like the Canadian division is it's so wide open. Yep. You can make a case for Edmonton winning this. You can make a case for Calgary with the additions they made of winning this. Toronto. Um, Winnipeg, I would argue, is in the mix. Toronto and Vancouver Vancouver are solid wild cards. Montreal, too. Yep. So, like, you can make a case for all six teams to win this division. It's that wide open.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, I I was saying punchy-bag, that's true, like, they would be a punchy-bag in whatever division you put them in, but, like, in the previous one, you know, they were in a division with the Sabres, the Red Wings, uh, the Canadians, in a way, or kind of a punchy-bag, but like, you know, so you at least had, like, other punching bags, whereas for Canada, like, they're kind of, like, the only punching bag, um, so, uh, there is, uh, there is that to go by, um, yeah. but, if,
0: if every, everyone's hoping for, like, Edmonton, Calgary in the playoffs, Montreal, Toronto in the playoffs, yep. this could be the year, just saying. Yeah.
1: So that takes us to our two questions here. We'll, again, we're going to go more in depth eventually, but right now, um, so we're going to ask what is going to be the toughest division? Um, I, I guess I'll go first here. I think the toughest division is going to be the East. (laughs) Um, like, uh, so I, when I saw that the Bruins, like I knew that they were going to change divisions because it makes sense that you know, Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto couldn't be um, with the Atlantic and stuff. So I was was assuming like, okay, that means that we'll probably be with the Rangers and we'll be with the Islanders, the Devils, and, um, you know, the Sabres, of course. And I just wasn't considering the fact that they're also going to have Philly, Pittsburgh, and Washington – and that adds a whole other element to it where like like it's basically just Boston and Buffalo joined the metro um in a way they changed teams with the uh uh with Carolina and um, Columbus so um yeah it's just it just adds a whole other element to it and you're not you know we're not even facing the Florida teams and and all that stuff. So it's just it's just weird that like we have Crosby, Ovechkin, uh, Lafreniere, and Panarin. Uh, Taylor Hall's now in the division. Eichel. I mean, he was. The, both of those guys were always going to be in the Bruins division. Um, and so, just from like a Bruins fans perspective, I'm just thinking like like. I don't think there's going to be any punching bag really in the east. I guess New Jersey would probably be the only one in Buffalo if they get their if they don't get their if things Buffalo together. is Buffalo, yeah. then
0: yeah, New Jersey should be, better. be the only punching bag like everyone yeah. else you can make a case exactly. for them making the playoffs. By.
1: But like Buffalo should be better than um what they were last year because of the addition to their all. Yeah. Because of be the because of the addition of Taylor Hall, so um, like like I could realistically see like six of these teams make the playoffs, or like you know, but only four of them will. So yep. um, so that that's what makes it tough. Um, I think the Central is also going to be pretty tough because you have Tampa and um, and Carolina, but then at, then again, you also have like Detroit. Uh, Oh, sorry. So you have Tampa, Dallas, Carolina, um, all in the same division. But then again, you never know with Nashville now because they kind of taken a downward slide. Um, Florida also had like a disappointing season. I guess it's you're not sure about that. Chicago, who knows with them? Detroit, who also knows with them? So. Um, It'll be interesting there. I also just realized that Tampa and Dallas, the Stanley Cup finals, are going to be in the same division. Um, That's going to be interesting, too.
0: You're going to have a lot of Stanley Cup rematches.
1: Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so I guess... So if I had to pick it in an order, um, let's do it this way, instead of asking what's the toughest and what's the easiest, I think I would go East, North, Central, West. Um, West should be... Um, I didn't really talk about the West, but like they they're good with you know Vegas, Colorado, um, and St. Louis. But like pretty much everyone else in the division is like a wild card or is just going to be bad this year. Uh, Saint, San Jose should be better than they were last year, but you never really know. Same with Arizona. But um, you, then you have like the the uh, the other California teams, Anaheim and L.A., and they're probably going to stink again this year. Um, so, um, so yeah. So, I think I would go with the East, central, uh, east, North, Central, West. Uh, that's going to be my... Um, that's my order, from toughest to easiest.
0: I'm mostly in agreement, so I'm going to go East, Central, North, and West. Okay. Just swapping the Central and the North, because um, the Central, like... Carolina and Tampa going up against each other eight times yes please just the way those teams play the way that Carolina dictates it probably the dreamier matchup would be Carolina and Vegas be divisional rivals for a year because I always call Carolina the Eastern Conference's version of the Vegas Golden Knights just because they play the game so similar um the west yeah it's pretty weak but you have colorado st louis and vegas in one division yeah i absolutely love that um the sharks it was going to be tough for them to bounce back no matter even if they were in the pacific it would be tougher than to bounce back um but it's certainly going to be just as tougher now um but but yeah i think everything runs through the east and there's going to be i i will say this i will say the fifth seed in the east is going to have more points than a third or fourth seed in an, in another division. I feel very confident in saying that. It's yeah, that's fact that. and every single game is going to be a playoff game. Yeah. Like every single point matters in that division. So, uh, I I don't know how confident you feel about your Bruins, but we'll talk about it more in the play, in the season previews. I think it'll be very tough for them to make the top four. I really do. Just yeah. with the amount of talent they're going up against. And also, I think Pasternak and Marshawn are not 100% either. Right. So, yeah, that
1: doesn't help. No, that doesn't. Um, I I feel more confident if Pasternak and uh, Marshawn were back in time for the playoffs. Or, or, you know, back in time for the season. Uh, but like, So, I guess reports are that Pasternak's going to be back in mid-February. It's unclear when Marchand's going to be back, but I guess he might miss only the first two weeks, so he might be back sooner. Um, but yeah, so that's. that's. I think it's all dependent on how the Bruins do without those two guys, um, because we really need those guys. Um, and of course, like, you never really know with how Tuka Rask is going to do, because this is going to be another time when. Um, you know he's going to be uh you know like that famous time when he opted out in the playoffs you don't know about that whole thing so um but yeah it's it's going to be tougher for sure because like we have Crosby and Ovechkin in 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 the division now and like you know Carter Hart's no slouch uh same with you know Barzal and, and crew um you know and the and the Rangers are are building on something and they're going to be scary and the next couple of years. So um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be tough. Uh, I, I think, and I'd be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs, but at the same time, as like I just mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised at the same time. So um.
0: yeah. Cause like they went up against Tampa and Toronto and the Atlantic, and that was a pretty tough uh, position to be in for the Bruins. And yeah, Florida was also in the mix too, but Buffalo, Ottawa, and Detroit were in their division, all missed the playoffs. Only seven teams missed the playoffs. Three of those seven teams were in the Atlantic, and right. Montreal barely made it. So yeah. <laughs> compared that to the teams they're going up against this year. It's definitely a much uh, tougher task for the Bruins. And while we're on the subject of injuries, um, there's reports that Kucherov could start the season on long-term injured reserve. For all, all you fantasy nerds out there. Hoping to snag him, just buyer beware there. And also the uncertainty of, is Stamkos 100% or not? So right. Tampa, speaking of Atlantic Division teams, uh, they could be in for a rough start in the Central too because of yeah. injuries to start players. So I hope Braden Point's ready to go because might have to carry them.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, it seems like Kucherov and Stamkos are also in the same position as the Bruins are. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be an interesting season with these new divisions. Um, but like, I guess, I guess to your point, it's going to like develop more rivalries, I imagine, um, and something mm-hmm. like that. So, um, which which yeah. I think in
0: the NHL is kind of like what you want. You like yeah, like kind of like expansion. Like you you want to expand the game and grow the game in yeah. places where it where it hasn't been well-known and yep. you you want to go to places you haven't gone before and right. like really make a name for yourself like you did in vegas years ago and now vegas as a team right so in a roundabout way it might help the nhl in some ways down the road by developing more of these rivalries that otherwise wouldn't become a thing because right they were playing in opposite conferences
1: yeah, I mean, like, there, there was already, like, rivalries already with, like, all the California teams, New York teams, and uh, P- Pennsylvania teams t- together, and all of Canada uh, together. Uh, but, yeah, this is going to increase it even more when you consider the fact that they're going to be playing, like, back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back, um, sometimes. Yeah. And um, Yeah, when you gonna, play yeah. each other a
0: lot, like, that's that kind of fuels the hatred exactly. in a way.
1: It's just like you're playing mini playoff series with seven other teams, um, and, yeah. and then you go to the actual playoffs uh, where you do it again. So um, it could be yeah. how the
0: Red Sox and Yankees developed that decades long rivalry, right.
1: basically. Yeah. So still exists. that's how you do it. So um, yeah, I mean, like it, it makes sense logically just how they did it because they did it regionally and what's closer regionally, but. Uh, yeah, so it's it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And again, as we mentioned before, we're gonna have more in depth season previews in the coming weeks. Uh, also, I we got rave reviews from people who love that interview with Jack Adams. Um, yeah. We may have one more in store uh, <laughs> before the season starts again. Um, and but yeah, we'll. I think we're going to start going every week. Um, yep. and again, because now that we have an official season, we can uh, start to figure things out. And I have a feeling that guys like Mike Hoffman, uh, Sammy Vadanen, Eric halla um, I'm, I think I'm missing that one other key free agent who hasn't signed yet, but those guys are going to be signed pretty soon, uh, as well. So, um, We'll get to that when that happens. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that uh, Ilya Kovalchuk has signed with a KHL team. So he's, uh, I guess he's retired for the second time. But this time it wasn't because to get out of a contract, it was because uh, he was a free agent. <laughs> it was and age he, catching up. Yeah, him. and he couldn't wait any longer. So, um, so yeah, he's in the KHL, and we won't see him in the NHL. I, I imagine that's it for him in the NHL. Um, yeah, he had a, yeah, he had a decent hurt. stint. I remember we had a long debate about. Uh, you thought that there was no chance he would ever come back, and I was like, I think there's a chance that I'll come back. Um, but i think we were we weren't sure how good he was going to be and that was the question he was okay he had some some stints and some moments here and there uh during his second probably the second most
0: successful stint. shortest stint he ever had was yeah. montreal like he did montreal very was pretty well good.
1: With yeah he, he did well there um i mean i guess he was more known for the la kings time but um or that that was where he spent the most time there but uh, yeah, I think you're right. He's He was more well-known for the uh, Montreal times because uh, he was the spark that they needed at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. Oh, wait. I, I'm Steve
0: Ellsworth. And uh, before we wrap right. up, uh, Brett, where can people find yeah, us on right. uh, the media platforms?
1: This is like our 250th episode, and I... I soon to it. be 250th
0: episode we yeah,
1: episode. yeah right. um yeah we're at 248 right um yeah, so so, one more, that <laughs> one more. <that> um <laughs> yeah i so what what do we have going on um we have lace up podcast in our twitter our soundcloud is lace them up our you know our spotify and itunes are lace them up as well um You are also on Facebook, although we don't really update it that often, and now that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff.
0: I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we will talk again in episode 249 of the Laysomup Podcast. Cool, cool.